Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Mercy Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Only four players left to go in the 50 most relevant, and one of them is Western Bulldogs' Jackson McRae. Over the past couple of years especially, he has been one of, if not the best midfielder available for us over the two years. And entering into 2020, it certainly does look like business as usual for Jackson McRae. To chat about him today, I got Jimmy back. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. It's nice to have you back. Just the 25 years old, this Western Bulldog midfielder. And boy, oh boy, when he gets cracking... There are not many that can keep up with him. Last year, his best score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was against the Collingwood Footy Club. It was a 180 while in Supercoach. Not as high a ceiling, but you'll see maybe a little bit more frequency through there. 155 against the Lions. He's going to be priced at an average point in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team of 115, while it's a 123 in Supercoach. In that format, he's going to set you back just under $670,000. In AFL Fantasy, a touch over 850k, while around about 14,000 beneath 850k, which, to save you the maths, 836,000, just because I want to be a jerk. Um, Jimmy, when we talk about Jackson McRae, um, it was just another year of, for the most part, incredible consistency, durability, and if you owned him for the most part, or all of the year, you would have been very happy with the returns of Jackson McRae. Oh, absolutely, and and those prices are, are there for a reason. He um, he scored well, and he did it uh, most weeks. Uh, there are only a handful of occasions where he didn't hit a uh, an acceptable mark, so to speak, for a better word. And um, yeah, and every so often, he's um, his ceiling more than made up for his downfall. So it's um, yeah, if you if you had him all year, fantastic. Well done to you. He put up a a pretty good average, even if that was a little less than a year before. You certainly couldn't complain. Yeah, it's true. 34 possessions, the average last year. 21 of them were uncontested, so has no problem getting on the outside of the ball. And went at a pretty reasonable efficiency, 74%. He averaged seventh uh, for score involvements across the entire AFL. Fifth for tackles. Oh, sorry, um, had averaged seven score involvements, not seventh in the entire competition. Fifth for tackles, uh, five clearances, four inside 50s across the league. This is where he was at his strongest. Um, is he ranked uh, finishing second for total disposal, second for uncontested possessions, and sixth for goal assists, 18th for tackles, 11th for contested possessions. He could get it done on the inside and the outside. It's no surprise. He got himself all Australian honours, was top three in his club's best and fairest, and uh, finished eighth in the Brownlow medal last year. You, you do, Jimmy, talk about that AFL fantasy ceiling and that super coach ceiling. Last year, another really strong year. That average of 115 in AFL fantasy comprised of just two scores beneath 80 all year. And one of them, in fact, both of them came when Beveridge was doing Bevo things and experimenting with the lineup. Across the whole yep. year, though, 17 tons, nine of them converted into 120s and a couple of monster 150s, including that 180-plus score. That's it. Um, and to go back uh, to what you said there, Bevo does do Bevo things. And that's a thing that we do need to be mindful of when picking uh, McRae or, or Dunkley or Bont or anyone else, um, is that there's no certainty week to week of what that role is going to be. Um, by and large, when you find something that he thinks is working, he'll stick with it. But uh, it was only a couple of years that, um, you know, a couple of years ago that McRae was averaging a, a, a solid 110 little run for us. And 
and then uh, Bevo dropped him because he wasn't doing the things he wanted. So it's um, those <laughs> fantasy numbers um, and even superhero numbers don't necessarily translate to being good at fo- or playing good football. Um, and that's um, yeah, not not to say that that's a risk in picking him, but sure. I guess something we've got to be mindful of is that um, at any given moment um, a role can change, and particularly at the Bulldogs um, is something I guess we bear, need to bear in mind. And what we find, um, if I can keep running on this a bit longer, mm. is that um, the I think that the fantasy community as a whole loves to have someone on a pedestal. Um, it was Dane Swan for a long time, and it was Tom Mitchell. Tom um, Rockliffe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rockliffe, exactly right. Um, and then last year, uh, with Rockliffe not playing the way uh, he has for a little while, um, and Mitchell, of course, being out for the year, um, and McRae coming off that amazing 2018 season, um, he was the the big dog that was left and and is suddenly sitting at that top level where people look at him and go, he's the player you have to have. He's the going to be you know the number one. Average. He's not necessarily going to be. And I think it's easy to get carried away with, um, but he's also the type of player that um, he's got pretty strong ownership numbers at he the does. start. Um, he's going to continue to have stronger ownership numbers as the year goes on because yes. odds are good he's going to be in the top handful of mids, whether he's number one or number ten. He's going to be there or thereabouts. So he's a player that you're going to want to own at some point. The question I think we need to ask ourselves is, are you prepared to take him on in the earlier rounds and find someone a bit cheaper that you think can match him for the first four, six, ten weeks? Um, Or is he a player that you really feel you have to start with and you don't feel comfortable if you don't have him? It's an interesting perspective, and I'm keen to ask you some questions back on that in a moment. Um, Super coach numbers, for those of you that are keen, uh, pretty similar level of dominance, uh, 19 tonnes, so not bad. Uh, 11 of them over 120 and 3 over 150, and just a couple of scores beneath 80 across the year on his way to an average of 123. And, and you do talk a, a little bit about that inconsistency or, or lack of confidence we can have sometimes in that Western Bulldogs midfield, and we did see that um, impact even McRae last year. Yeah, pre-buy in AFL Fantasy um, over the first 11 rounds. He was averaging 101. Again, perfectly fine. But if you paid for that 120 at the start, it was hurting as every week went on. Um, in Supercoach, uh, again, paying in that high 120 marker was an average of 113. Again, fine. But again, you weren't quite getting the return on investment at that point in time. However... Things went bananas from the buy round onwards. After the multi-buy rounds in AFL Fantasy, he received a considerable boost. He averaged an absolute monster 129 on the run home and 11 consecutive tons, with the lowest of them being a 106. It was pretty similar in Supercoach as well. On the run home, 11 tons, the lowest was a 115 and uh, an average of 133. So it's a little bit closer to what we saw in that 2018 season that you've alluded to, where he averaged in AFL Fantasy 122, which was concluded of uh, included 16 tons, and uh, not a bad personal best final round of the year score of 190. That was the one to captain him, hey? Um, Super coach <laughs> again in 2018, average 127, 16 tons. So we've now got really two years of data, don't we, Jimmy, to suggest that yep. barring Bevo doing Bevo things, We've got ourselves a, a high 120 midfielder. But this year, there are genuine options that can go near him, aren't there? Well, and that's the thing. And and as I said, all else being equal, um, and it's a very broad brush to paint, but all else being equal, he is going to be in the top handful of mm. 
of midfielders this year, surely. Um, he will have quiet patches, I'm sure, where he does average closer to 100 than 120, um, but it only takes uh, one or two of those uh, big 140, 150-plus scores that he can get, you know, the 180s, 190s every so often, yeah. um, and that average suddenly skyrockets. And it's trying to make sure that you own him before that happens. That's the key. Um, and if your period of ownership uh, includes those figures and not perhaps a couple of the lower ones, then happy days. Um but the the thing with him too is that at some point, um, you know, even from the start, that's a high price tag he's got. Yeah. If you don't start him, the player you're choosing instead of him isn't the one you're upgrading. You're picking a a, a Josh Kelly or a Trevor or a, a Dunkley, you know, whoever it is. Sure. You're picking him as your M1. That's fine. It's the player towards the end of your your list where you're looking at that M5, M6, M7 that you've then got to find enough cash to upgrade him yeah. to get McRae. Um, that's a lot of money, MJ. It is a, a lot of money. And again, you bring up this interesting point that he's got arguably one of the best frequency ceilings of our midfielders, barring a Tom Mitchell, who we talked about about a week ago on the 50 most relevant and the unknowns about how he'll return. But you even just look at the numbers of him coming off the multi-buy around this year. 140, 180, 135 in AFL Fantasy, 150, 148, 142 in Supercoach. He's shown he can put these big consistent scores. You can keep looking through the rest of the year. I'm not just picking and choosing parts of, of McRae. It's that's what he does regularly across the past two years. And he's one of those guys, you're right, Jimmy. If you choose to take him on, will you get him cheaper? Possibly. But Maybe. can you, you capitalize? Yeah. But can you capitalize on him at his cheapest price? and make it worthwhile. That's the big thing coaches are going to have to consider. Absolutely. And for all of my playing devil's advocate up to this point, the other thing I want to highlight too is that if you're not picking McRae, you're mm. picking a guy that you think is going to be able to match him at there or thereabouts sure. at that 15 kind of average that he's priced at. If McRae goes on a tear from round one, picks off where he, he Left finished off. one year, um, and starts averaging the season at 120, 130 in the first five or six rounds, is the player you pick capable of matching that? Mm. Is there a player with as much upside potentially as McRae, even given the price that you're paying for him? Yeah. Um, and again, it's just part of that debate. If you're going to take him on, you want to make sure that you've got someone who can genuinely take him on um, and you need a plan of how you're going to get him before he runs away from you. That's right, because he, 13 weeks without Jackson McRae, um, getting him after the multi-buy round in round 14 is when the doggies are off, along with many other popular premiums, including all of the GWS players we've talked about. Tom Mitchell, there's a couple of crows through there you might be considering if you're looking for a unique option through there. Round 15, bringing Jackson McRae in, that's a long way into the season to miss potentially one of the few candidates of the number one scoring midfielder. And there is only a few, to be fair. Um, mm. To be without them for 13 games, that that you'd get a little nervous on the edge of your seat, wouldn't you? And again, but that's on the presumption that he goes that 120-130 like he ended the year. If he goes closer to how he started the year, happy freaking days. Um, and that will be the big decision that coaches have to make it is it's not an easy one from my point of view um but it certainly makes for an interesting discussion and you know whichever way you're going to go with it you've just got to back yourself and and as i said have a plan of how to get him if you don't start with him all right so it sounds like he's not starting anywhere for you at the moment is that fair no it's not actually i have oh. got him um uh, it's just uh, Look i'm at always you being a jerk 
<laughs> oh, look, I've got to be good at something. But if the uh, a player like him, if I've got him sitting in my team, I want to look at it from the opposite point of view. Sure. Why don't I want him? Yeah. Um, and, and find a reason to kick him out. And at the minute, he's looking pretty comfortable across the formats. Um, but is this thought process, what I've gone through over the last 10 minutes is, is exactly what I've been looking at um, in, in deciding whether to take him out or not. Is um, At the minute, I think the default position is I do want to start him because of what we know he can do, what he's done over a couple of years now. If I'm taking him out, I've got to have a good reason for it. Yeah, I think um, so. I, yeah, and I'm not quite at that point yet, but I can certainly see a strong argument to be built of why you might want to bet against him in those earlier rounds. Um, and have a plan to pick him up a little bit later, whether it's at the same price or not. But if you think you can minimise that damage early on by investing cash elsewhere, then, uh, you know, good luck to you. Yep, no, fair enough too. Look, as a reference point, if you are considering taking him on or need some, you know, something to, to, you know, move you over to the starting McRae camp. Round one, uh, they take on Collingwood for a reference point. Last time he played them, he got 180 in AFL Fantasy and a 148 in Supercoach. Round two takes on Carlton. Last time he played them was a 140 in AFL Fantasy and uh, just a lazy 150 in Supercoach. Uh, then it gets interesting. He comes up against GWS. Does he get the tag of Matt DeBoer? I think it's more likely to be Bontempelli, but the last time... I think Bont or, or Dunks even would, would seem more likely. Someone who's a little more damaging. I think so too. Uh, the last time he played was in a final, in the elimination final. It was a 129 in AFL Fantasy and a 116 in Supercoach. So he's certainly going okay from that perspective in terms of those opening three rounds of the year, even with a potential... Mont, uh, you know, Matty DeBoer tag heading in near him. I think he's going to be a nice option, whether you choose to start him and if you choose to upgrade him, good luck. I hope you can get him when you need to. Let's talk about where he goes in a drafts, Jimmy. This is much more your area of specialty. Uh, it seems to be... Uh, you're perfectly fine at the other end of, uh, formats, by the way. Um, it seems to be a general consensus, rightly or wrongly, that Grundy's the art is the first round, first picked off the board in every format. McRae, is he a pick two, no matter the format, or could he slide a little bit in some of the other formats? No, look, for me at this point, it's um, pick one is, is Grundy. Um, pick two is Whitfield, um, certainly in, in Fantasy and Dream Team. Okay. Um, and then McRae is three. Yep. Um, whether you really want him or not, I think he still probably should be pick three, um, and if for no other reason than trade value. Yeah. Um, when he does go on that run, he can go on a run like few others, Um and even if you don't want to finish the year with him, if you've got the opportunity to start the year with him yeah. in a draft, I think you need to, um, because at some point you'll be able to trade him for a, a very nice upgrade on a couple of other lines if that's what it comes to. So, it, um, yeah, it's. Um, I think that's a pretty easy equation. Supercoach, I think you could make an argument for perhaps one or two other mids to be in that bracket yeah, sure. um, with him. Um, you know, your, your dangers and fights and whatnot, but. Um, yeah, in, in a, a dream team, or an ultimate footy-style draft, um, I think, yeah, McRae's pick three. Um, yep. There's no real question on that for mine. No, I, I totally agree with you. If you're you're sitting pick four with an AFL fantasy scoring format in a draft, you're not getting McRae. Super coach, he might slide a little bit. Someone might jump early on a Maxi Gorn and get him inside the first couple of selections. We talked about the potential of him being, you know, yesterday in the 50 most relevant, a, a potential number two pick in a super coach mm. draft as well. So there's a bit more chance you might get him, you know, pick three, four, five, or maybe even six in a super coach draft 
But let's be honest, he is a top-tier first-round selection no matter the format you choose to play. Absolutely. All right, mate, appreciate your thoughts today on Jackson McRae. No worries, mate. Good fun. Thank you. If you want to go and check out the article on him, it is available online now for you at coachespanel.tv, as is all the other players were revealed so far in the 50 most relevant. There is a ton of them through there. All of our preseason watch lists, some ultimate footy draft strategies, and a whole heap of other content is available over at coachespanel.tv. Just three players left to go in the 50 most relevant, and tomorrow... An absolute monster that you will want in your team. Whether to start or upgrade? Nah, you want to start him.